The Greenhouse Effect is sponsored by Greenlight Photography. Check the show notes for details. Last week I took a picture of my cat. Her name is Puppy. It's a cute picture. But you should see my daddy's pictures. They're great! You should check them out. Go to Linktree slash Greenlight Photo and get your own copy. Okay, I gotta go play with Puppy. Bye! Good afternoon, and it is Thursday, it is noon, and therefore you know where you are. It is the greenhouse effect with your friendly neighborhood and your favorite polymath and your host, Hayden Green. I am here to talk about all things that have happened this week from a multicultural point of view, and that multicultural point of view is mine. So, um... You know, we got a lot of stuff to get into, and it is a 30-degree day in uh, New York City, which is crazy because yesterday it was like 65 degree, um, and that's uh, and that's really the, that's winter for you in New York. Like, so one minute it will be ridiculously warm, and by minute I mean literally day to day. It just changes as you go along. New York, and, and I used to tell my students, and not used to, but like I tell my students all the time, don't dress for the weather, dress for the season. Because in the morning, it'll be, you know, fall-like temperatures, and then by the evening, it's freezing. And Or, like this week, one day will be uh, a fall temperature, and the next day will be absolute winter. So... So we're back to 30 degrees and and now and and now everybody's complaining. It's like, "Oh, it's cold." It's like, "Yeah, this is what it's supposed to be." Yesterday was an anomaly. And people I saw people running around with shorts and t-shirts yesterday. I was like, yeah, "I hope y'all bought a coat because by the time you get home, it's going to be cold." Hey, Michelle Streeter chiming in on Facebook Live. So if you are Checking out, if you are talking to us on Facebook Live, feel free to drop a chat in and we will um, we will respond as much as we possibly can and and uh, ask a question and hopefully uh, leave a comment for whatever we're talking about just to let us know that we're, we're you know, we, we know what we're talking about over here. And I speak like we, like if there is, um, <laughs> like if there's actually more than one of me here. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Michelle says more anomaly, please. Yeah, we would love to have more of those 60-degree days in February, but that's that's uh, one and a little bit. And today there's a winter advisory. Yep, Caitlin is right. So we go from warm 60 degrees to snow and sleet in the afternoon. There's no love in New York, man, when it comes to weather. It's like, you just take it where you get it because you don't know what's going to happen the next day. Um, but I'll tell you who's not affected by the weather. My cat. My cat is not affected by the weather. For those of you who listen to the show, you know I have a cat and her name is Puppy. Um, and Puppy says, uh, John, John, Johnny says that it's always clear, always cold here in Buffalo, which is true. It is cold in Buffalo in the summertime. Uh, that is, those are facts, right? Um, but my cat is, um, now, now purporting to be a, a, a finicky eater. So 
uh, as we we talked about earlier on today or, or earlier on in the podcast, uh, we switched up food for her, and um, it, it, because like the food that we always get sometimes is not available, it, and it's just a whole weird thing. And so we try. So I I went back to uh, Nine Lives, and now apparently she's got a taste of Friskies, and she's like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't want this nine live stuff. So I went downstairs and I fed her and I closed the door and I come back up and all I hear is her meowing back down at me as if to say, uh, this will that you are now feeding me is not acceptable human. Um, and, and so now I have to go out and look for nine lives so that this cat will be happy again. Uh, I asked for a pet, not a third child, but apparently I don't get a choice in, in what, in what I get. Um, so anyway, leave some, leave, leave some, uh, some, some suggestions as to what I should feed puppy. Uh, she is not a pate lover, so, uh, it always has to be chunks and in, 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 uh, in liquid. So I, I always have to find that stuff for her. But like, if you got any ideas as economically sound ways <coughs> of feeding this cat, please let me know. Uh, and again, you can leave that on Facebook chat, but also there'll be a space for you to, if you uh, are downloading this from Apple Music or or uh, Spotify, leave some suggestions on what we should be feeding puppy. Anyway, so today, <coughs> a little stuff in my throat. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about uh, what's happening in, in Russia with Ukraine only a little bit because we did a deep dive last week if you missed if you missed that one feel free to jump back into last week's episode and so we can talk a little bit you so you where you hear us talk a little bit about a, a background for for this um conflict that is happening in the ukraine but uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what's happening right now a lot of people are concerned that this is world war three I personally am not concerned about it being World War III, but I do think that there are some things coming that will look different for warfare, uh, But and there's some, some ridiculous stuff happening in the States here, but we'll, we'll dive into that. Uh, today is the 24th, is it? Today is the 20, yeah, today's the 24th, and so we're closing out Black History Month, and uh, uh, this last month I have been doing a lot of conversations, I've had a lot of conversations about... Uh, Black History Month, and and not necessarily the why, but uh, really talking about some. So not talking about the what, but really talking about the why. Uh, so there are some conversations around Black History Month that pop up every single year. It's like, oh, here are you know our historical figures. Here's the people, some people doing some stuff now, um, and we always get the what. But I think what's missing from the conversation is the why. So we're going to hit that in our in our second segment. Um, and then in our third segment, we will talk about my top five for this year. My top five for this year is, oh, sorry, this week, this year. Uh, my top five for this week are my favorite black superheroes. Um, and this is, so just just a forewarning, it's always going to be controversial. We talk about favorite anything, but especially black superheroes, it's always going to be controversial. But... For me, I'm going with my favorite, and this is not a, this is the most popular, or this is the most uh, powerful. It's my favorite. I like these people, and so these are the, these are the reasons that they're in my top five. So, so let's get into, 
and and for those of you from ACUI, I see Michelle and Johnny. You see my, I got my ACUI gear. We're getting ready to go to ACUI conference in a couple of weeks. Headed out to Chi Town, Chicago, in the house. Um, so looking forward to that. But uh, let's dive right into what's happening in uh, in Russia. And I see Michelle, Michael Pena is in the house. Hey, Michael, what's going on, man? Um, and so. As we talked about last week, uh, Russia has been, uh, you know, prospering uh, around uh, Ukraine. They, they, you know, in years past, they um, they uh, annexed the Crimean Peninsula. And so, again, you can go back to last week's episode to get your primer. But a couple of new wrinkles have happened uh, since we talked last week. And so um, the 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 Russian government has granted, and this is all the words, these are all semantics, uh, and, and so has granted two regions or three regions in the Ukraine as states of Russia, and, and so sovereign states of Russia. So what that now means is that in Russia's eyes, and this is the way that they're putting this forward, in Russia's eyes, these three regions, two or three regions, now are part of Russia. And so the people that are fighting in Russia, who sorry, in the Ukraine, who are Russian um, uh, uh, supporters, Russia is now saying, well, they've declared that this is a part of Russia and they're fighting for their independence. And, um, and we're going in to help them secure what is what they have now declared as sovereign parts of Russia. Um, and so all of this now says then you can't the UN can't say well you invaded a country what you all that you're doing is supporting people who are fighting for their independence from the Ukraine um, and so that's a very good tactical move right like it is it's kind of brilliant on on Putin's part um, and and in case you're wondering why anybody is fighting about Ukraine, Ukraine has a bunch of natural resources, like everything from agriculture to uh, lithium and 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 um, and and what do you call it, um, stuff from uh, uranium and all that stuff. Like all of that stuff is in the Ukraine, which is why Russia was pissed off that it left to begin with, right? And so now they're using this tactic, and admittedly. It's pretty brilliant, right? They've been setting this up for a while. They have been funding freedom fighters, and I use air quotes for those of you listening on Apple Music or, or some other place. Uh, they, they've been funding these people to set this up, right? So to say, oh, okay, well, look, they're fighting for their freedom, and we're just funding freedom fighters. Guess who's also done stuff like that before? everybody in the west right so like united states do, does that all the time in fact that's what happened with ukraine ukraine said we no longer want to become russia be part of russia when the soviet union dissolved and, and and fell apart it said we will be our own place and they did and they became their own place much in the same way that russia is now saying that these regions of the ukraine are asking to be protected from the ukrainian government from which they want to separate it's brilliant. But here's the thing. Here's who can't say that. The people who are trying to sanction Russia can't come out and say, yeah, this is a pretty good strategy and we have to figure out um, a way to get around that. 
But guess who did? Our former president of the United States uh, comes up and says, hey, that guy's pretty smart. Putin is a genius. I like what I, I like his strategy. This dude is complete. In case you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Donald. Um, he gets on. He gets on his platform and was like, "Hey, this is brilliant. You have to. You have to pay attention to this guy. He's he's pretty much a genius. This guy has been fanboying over Putin." For decades, decades. This didn't start when he became president. This is from years past. He thinks he, if he could be Putin, he would want. He wanted to be what Putin is. He wanted to uh, just rule the country, suspend rules, and re-elect himself over and over again. He wanted to be Putin, and so when he sees what's happening right now, he's he goes out and says, "Yeah, this guy's a genius." And uh, the current president that we have is a dope. I'm like, oh, God. Really? Like, I, what will it take for Trump to go away? What would it take for him to be like, you know what? I served my time. I did what I was supposed to do. Uh, I'm going to go run these businesses over here and set up for all the stuff that I had put in place while I was president. And if you don't think that he put a bunch of stuff in for his after presidency, uh, then you have not been paying attention. Um so I, I I just need him to go away. So like first of all, you can't you can't as a former president be supporting the person who is currently trying to um, aggress against one of our allies. It's, but again, this is the same guy that was in Miralago in the bathroom trying to flush um, government documents down the down the toilet, flush them like literally flush them down the toilet. Like, oh, like, um, I don't know if you've heard of a shredder or, like, burning, but you trying to flush him down the toilet? Anyway, um, so that's what's going on with this dude. And then Mitch McConnell comes out and at a press conference says that um, the reason that this is happening is that we pulled out of Afghanistan too fast, and that showed... Um, that showed weakness, and that's why Russia took over the Ukraine. I'm sorry, what? Right, like, that is a huge leap of faith, where it's like, um, yeah, so you painted this wall over here, which is why I had to shoot this guy for, uh, shoot this guy for stealing my shoes. One doesn't have anything to do with the other, right? One does not have a, anything to do with the other, and so now we're now we're dealing with with the rhetoric inside of the country as opposed to having a unified force against a common enemy. Now, so here's the thing, right? If there is infighting in between the political parties because you're, you're talking about domestic issues, that's one thing. But when we can't even get it together to say that this over here is um, a bad thing that we need to unify behind, then this, then all is lost. All is lost, right? So let's see. Um, so ninth pattern says WW three. Really? I, well, I'm. I, people are calling it WW three, right? I, I don't. I personally don't think that that's what's happening. Uh, Michelle says that I don't think that Trump is going away anytime soon. The man was put on this earth to just be a disruptor for better or for worse. Caitlin says are uh, only using. 
one of the 24 fireplaces there, right? Exactly. He's got 28 fireplaces. You, you're going to flush it down the toilet. Well, then it says, World War Three. Well, I the only World War Three I recognized was performed by the Rough Riders. <laughs> very funny. Uh, but so this is where we are right now, right? And 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 it's a very scary place. I do not think that we are going to have World War Three. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to have um, nuclear weapons flying back and forth. I don't think that that's where they're at. Um, I do think, though, that what is coming, that, that Vladimir Putin is promising uh, will be retaliation if anybody jumps in, is a new type of war, warfare. Russia has been practicing cyber warfare for a good decade now. Uh, all of these things, were, a couple of years ago when they shut down the pipeline and then uh, this other, the, the meat factory got shut down and all of that stuff emanates out of Russia and China, right? And right now, Russia and China are aligned as 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 anti-West. And so when you start thinking about how vulnerable all of our systems are, uh, we have some of the most antiquated infrastructure in the world, in the world, right? I, I, I can guarantee you that there are water systems and electric grid systems today in the Northeast that are running on stuff that was created at the turn of the industrialized, uh, the, the start of industri the industrialized age, right? And that stuff is really super vulnerable, right? And so you can upgrade it and you can retrofit everything that you want, but if you're working on really old equipment that cost billions of dollars to replace, then upgrades are only going to go but so far. So I don't think that we're looking at uh, all out like missiles and stuff like that outside of the Ukraine. Like right now, that's what they're doing. They're bombing the Ukraine. But I do think that uh, they are going to, we're going to start seeing a new kind of warfare. All right, so Tam says, breaking news, Russian forces are trying to seize the Chernobyl nuclear plant. And, uh, huh, interesting. Wait, I thought Chernobyl was in Russia. Anyway, y'all could update me on that one. Yeah, right. So Caitlin had, Caitlin Water had a huge hacking incident, right? Um, Baltimore Water, Caitlin is telling that Baltimore Water had a huge hacking incident. I think that that's what our, war, that's what the warfare is going to look like. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember what the name of the movie, but back in the 80s, there was this movie about uh, they were doing war games. I think it might have been called War Games. They were doing war games, and this kid hacked into the the government's war games and actually started a war. But I think that's what we're looking at. People who are adept at hacking into these systems crippling countries, crippling entire countries by shutting down everything that is now hooked up to a computer or is, is you know, has a cyber brain somewhere, you know? So, um, Michelle says, wasn't the Southern Gas Line problem also? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Southern Gas Pipeline stuff and the, the food factory, all of that stuff was hacking and it was ransomware. But it just showed that they were able to get into uh, all of these systems as they needed, Right. Um, so Michelle says, I need you to tell me why we're not totally screwed as a people. That is a whole different podcast, Michelle. I, I, I think that we are at a tipping point with, with society uh, across the globe. Uh, we are at a tipping point where it will go 
south and you know it, it, it'll, it'll be like uh terminators with the rise of the machines and like a higher higher um computational intelligence will take over and emotions will be gone or we recognize that we are down a path that is highly disruptive and we become more like star trek right so I'm hoping for the latter, right? That's that's just me hoping that we all recognize it's like, yeah, we don't need money. We've got enough for everybody and just blah, 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 and peace and love and let's go fight Klingons. Um, but I, I am doubtful. <laughs> I am doubtful. Anyway, we will keep an eye, as in the, the podcast will keep an eye on the, the conflict in Russia and uh, and we will get back to that as soon as as soon as there is breaking news, of course, next next week. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will come back and talk a little bit about Black History Month. You're listening to The Greenhouse Effect. All right, and we are back. You are listening to Hayden Green as your host of The Greenhouse Effect, and uh, we, we've been talking about the... The, uh, the whole Ukraine situation and Russia, but we are going to move into uh, Black History Month in a second. Michelle says, uh, the crazy thing is, uh, is the, all the astrology stuff right now is pointing to a huge turning point where nothing will be like it was. Talk about a cosmic change. Yeah, it's we're primed for a lot of a lot of change. We are primed for things going to a very different place. So hopefully we can get to a place that is better than it was but there is no guarantee there so um speaking about things being better than it was we are in the midst well at the end of black history month and so one of the things about black history month and i was having a conversation with a really good friend of mine liz liz fernandez and she was you know there is this new project called troutback in upstate new york if you have an opportunity to check it out troutback t-r-o-u-t-b-e-c uh, B-E-C-K. It is a space up in uh, upstate New York that apparently was the home of a lot of the uh, uh, the architects of like the NAACP and stuff like that. So um, we were having the conversation about Troutback and uh, one of the things that they had talked about on their, um, uh, I guess, their advertisement for the space um, was about the, the, the fact that there is very little in between the the facts that get thrown out during during Black History Month, and so this is something that we that I had been talking about for quite some time. In so much that there, you know, the 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 sixteen uh, the sixteen nineteen project shine, shun a light on the fact that there's a whole history that's not been told, and the only time that we get into the depths of Black history is during Black History Month, and then that stuff gets you know. Uh, you know, push down uh, to the bottom of the list of priorities of things that we want to teach our children. And when it starts to bubble up, there's a whole bunch of, com- you know, conversations about critical race theory and people get upset and, and get their panties in a bunch. And so uh, their underwear and their knickers in a bunch, not to be sexist. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to have a real conversation was about is why Black History Month. Uh, and so... I want to dive in a little bit deeper 
um, then, well, we have Black History Month because uh, Carter, G. Woodson, Carter G. Woodson decided, hey, let's have a Negro History Week that celebrates Abraham Lincoln and Frederick, D., uh, Frederick, Frederick Douglass, and we'll put it around the week that both their birthdays happen, and that happens to be in February. So we'll, we'll just take that week, and then it got bigger. Well, that's incredibly reductive when you start thinking about why we have a Black History Month to begin with. And and I want to take this time to really give a little bit of a backstory and, and open up that conversation because I think that it's important because when we continue to, conver- to have this conversation about the what, it falls flat on the, on the, the psyche of people who don't live, don't have this lived experience. And so, like, when you start to think about black history altogether, it's kind of like, all right, slavery happened, and then there was this guy named Abraham Lincoln, and he freed the slaves. Boom! Yay! He was a great guy. He freed the slaves. And then a couple of years later, you get these other two guys um, who are um, uh, Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King, and they fight for civil rights. And boom! After they get civil rights, we all vote in Barack Obama as our first black president. That's kind of the way that it feels, right? It feels like there are these disjointed uh, occasions that get thrown at us. Like, and then every now and again you get, oh, this person invented the, 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 the traffic light or Madam C.J. Walker was the first millionaire. And, and, and nobody says why. Nobody really talks about the why of the month, right? And so uh, Will is talking about like capitalism has watered down the significance of the month. But before even capitalism watered it down, it was watered down even further because, again, like I said, there was all these what's and no why's. And to get to the why, we have to go all the way back. And we have to go all the way back to uh, to the West African nations. And, of course, all of this is informed by the fact that I just got back from Ghana a couple of months ago, right? And so when we go all the way back to the West African nations, one of the things that you have to think about is that um, the West Africans that were taken from uh, Ghana, Benin, Nigeria, and all of these, uh, you know, these places, Togo, all these places on the West Coast, when they, when they were taken, a lot of them didn't realize what was happening. A lot of them didn't realize that this kind of slavery, that you know, the brutalization that was happening was, was more than what they were accustomed to. And again, slavery existed in Africa long before anybody showed up, any, any Europeans showed up. But slavery in Africa was a different kind of slavery where you, you, work, you could work off your slave indentureship, right? And so you would sometimes join the, the, the community in which you were part of a slave, or maybe you got married to somebody who was a community member, and that it, it eliminated your debt, right? So there were all of these different ways that slavery ended, right? So there was it was for a time period. In, in African culture, slaves people who were enslaved were not enslaved for the entirety of their life and it did not become part of their their um their identity but we need to even dig a little bit deeper than that and look at the why the europeans were um were in africa to begin with they started off as traders they started off trying to get as much of this gold and natural resources that they could out of the out of the, the the West African nations, and then you know the the misguided Italian and the Spanish boat goes over to the New World. Speaking of Columbus, and 
they get to this new world and they realize there's no gold in this new world. There's no resources that they can mine and come back to um, England and Portugal and and Spain and all the rest of that stuff. So this so this posed a problem and and one of the things that they decided to do was to have used these lands for agriculture. You know, it was warm, temperate, uh, tropical, uh, um, tropical conditions, and they could grow things that were down there a lot easier. So they decided, okay, let's grow crops. And in doing that, they were like, well, we need people to grow these crops. Well, they tried to send the people who were Europeans down there. That didn't work because they didn't want to work, right? Then they tried to enslave the people who were already there, the indigenous people of the Americas. So like in the Caribbean, the Amerindians and the, the Caribs, the Arawaks and the Mayans and the Aztecs and all the rest. And they tried to enslave those people and put them to work. But they, they were not, um, they didn't survive because of a lot of diseases that were brought from Europe and because of the way that they were working them to death, right? And then something happens, they're like, but wait a minute. We've been trading with these people over here in, in Africa, um, and they have the similar conditions, and they understand how to work the land and, and cultivate and all the rest of that stuff. And they are more hardy because they've already been exposed to us. Exposed to us. Why don't we just bring some of them over? And so it becomes a, a, a necessity of economics, right? It was not Im immediately born out of, oh, okay, well, I, I'm going to go to Africa just to go grab you know, a bunch of people, they'd already been interacting with the West Africans. And so it, at that point in time, they recognized that it was more valuable to steal people and sell human beings than any of the gold that they were finding in these West African countries. And so that's the real necessity of bringing that across. And so all of the, 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 the slaves that started showing up in the Americas in, in, uh, in 1619 um, on the Virginia shores were the first ones that came over, came over for an economic reason. And that's how all of the, the farms and all of the industry that was built in the United States was built off of a need for economics. Um, and so slavery became part of that economics. And that's how the South... Um, became powerful. That's how the South became wealthy, and that's how the South became, uh, you know, uh, 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 had all of the ability to say, you know what, we want to be separate from the North because y'all are trying to charge us taxes for something that y'all didn't that y'all didn't build. You know, uh, whiskey taxes and all of these other things, right? And so I I lay that foundation because. That's the foundation that Abraham Lincoln walks into. Here's this, this this Confederate army saying we don't want we don't want to be part of this union anymore, and the Union army saying, uh, "No, you are. We're going to squash this." And Abraham Lincoln makes a wartime decision. How do I cripple the Confederate army? Well, first of all, if I free all of the slaves, then all the people who are in the army have to now go back to the fields to work all of the fields because the, free, the slaves are free, right? Also, it cuts off their economics. If they can't fund the army, then they can't fight against the union. And thirdly, if I free them and tell them they can come fight for us, it adds people to our, our, our battalions. It's a no-brainer. So Abraham Lincoln frees the slaves, but he doesn't free the slaves because he wakes up one morning and be like, you know what? Slavery is a bad thing. 
I think I'm going to free the slaves. And again, that's the why. So when you root his decision and why he, he, he frees the slave, it becomes less of a what and it gives you an understanding. And so when you start to then think about, okay, well, why does then Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X show up? Well, after Abraham Lincoln frees the slaves, three, five years later, he's killed in a, in, in a theater, right? And all of the all of the the work that he's done in the South to free the slaves and and to make sure that they have a uh, a, a piece of the American pie gets ruined because Andrew Johnson comes in as the next president who succeeds Abraham Lincoln after he's assassinated. Andrew Johnson decides, you know what? We are removing all of the Union forces from the South. We are no longer going to pay for Union so soldiers to be down in the South to protect the slaves. Well, why do they need to protect the slaves? Well, when they were freed, they immediately got the right to vote. The black men, not the women, because the, the women's right to vote came later. Uh, the black men got the right to vote. And in that right to vote, they decide, they just, they said, okay, we're not only going to vote, we're also going to run for office. And we're going to vote in people that look like us and that want us to succeed. And it's a period of call, the Reconstruction. The Reconstruction era heralds in all of these people who are now going into politics and you have people being elected to offices and there are, there are people of the formerly enslaved people are thriving they are now part of the american dream didn't get the 40 acres didn't get the mule but they got the vote and so that all starts to happen and then when lincoln is killed what happens is that those union officers, those union forces now get pulled out of the South. And that heralds in Jim Crow. It heralds in um, uh, the Ku Klux Klan, which, is a, which then systematically takes away all of the rights that had just been given to all of the people that were... Um, that were freed in the South. And then you have the Great Migration, uh, but, you know, they not, black people are not treated any better in the North than they are in the South. Uh, and, and civil rights, you know, segregation becomes the order of the day. And then you start to see the rise of people like A. Philip Randolph, Ma Mega Everest, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement. So that's the why. So... Malcolm X and, 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 and Martin Luther King didn't just rise up because it's like, you know what, we have it pretty good, so we're going to go ahead and try to get even more. No, they had it really bad. So slaves were freed, enslaved people were freed, but they weren't given their freedom. They were made into second-class citizens. And so the civil rights, Linda B. Johnson signs the Civil Rights uh, Act, um, in the 60s and and so again it makes it sound like okay everything is great but everything is not great because banks and other other uh financial lending places find ways to push black and brown people into particular areas and and start looking at voter suppression uh laws and voter suppression acts so you have that, and then you have things like redlining, and you have things like predatory lending, and it, and what happens is that there's an establishment of um, ghettos, there is establishment of different neighborhoods where uh, resources are not available. And so 
the fight for those rights now becomes part of the grassroots movement to re- to to repeal voter rights acts to get things in in a place where uh, black people will get back to the voting levels that they had back in the reconstruction era and there is a civil a, a community organizer in Chicago that is doing that work making sure that the black people in Chicago are able to vote and are able to get to the polls and that man's name is Barack Obama and Barack Obama doesn't happen if there wasn't pushback for all of the civil rights acts that happened through Malcolm, Malcolm Martin and all the rest of them and, and Marcus Garvey and all of those people in the 60s that doesn't he doesn't exist his, his POV doesn't exist unless that pushback doesn't happen from all of the work that the early civil rights people have and so when you start to think about Malcolm when you start to talk about slavery and then talk about Abraham Lincoln and the civil rights movement and then the first black president and all of the first like Mae Jemison first in space and and all the rest of that stuff it it, it, it is hollow unless you understand why all these things happen. And the why, the teaching of the why is what is getting so much pushback in this country right now. There were, you know, the summer protests in, 2000 and, in 2020 um, was met with a lot of BLM support and systematically has been re- removed by the pushback against the, the CRM, critical race theory, um, CRT, sorry, critical race theory which is has nothing to do with what is being taught in schools that's a whole nother story altogether but it's a catch-all now for everybody who seems to want to believe that uh, teaching the whole history is important and i've always said give me the whole history because when you don't there are three questions that you have to ask why don't i have access to all of the information number two why is why am I only getting this particular information? Why is this information the one that I should be paying attention to? And number three, number three, who is in charge of making that decision that I should only get this slither of information? And those are the questions that you have to start to ask when you are seeing people saying that we we shouldn't teach this and we shouldn't teach that and we shouldn't teach the whole history. Those are the questions that you have to ask for the Texas lawmakers that are trying to push back against it and the Florida lawmakers that are trying to push back against it. But for me, that's the why of black history, not the what, it's the why. And as we close out, I hope that we can continue to ask the question of why and move on to a place where we are thinking about all of these things as opposed to, you know, pop marks in in the the historical uh, tome. All right, we're going to come back. And for the last bit of, last bit of black history, uh, we're going to talk about who is my favorite black superheroes. We're coming right back. And we are back. This is The Greenhouse Effect, and I am your favorite polymath, Hayden Green, and I am your host today. Um, and today, so you're listening to The Greenhouse Effect, and uh, so we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to close it out, and we're going to do our top five black superheroes um and so it, this list will kind of be obvious the number one is obvious for most people it it should not it, it isn't really it, it has now become my number one let me just put it that way my list has fluctuated back and forth 
I am a blurred. I, I read comic books all through my youth. Uh, I still read some of them, and I enjoy all of the superhero movies and the superhero stuff, and I'm glad that a lot of people are now coming around to it, uh, but I've been doing, you know, me and my boy Hayden have been, been in this game for quite some time. By the way, shout out to Hayden Bridgman. Uh, he just celebrated his first birthday uh, a couple of days ago, and so that's my boy. And so... So my my top five is has changed, or my top one has changed a little bit. Um, there, it it used to have a couple of other people in here. My list, again, like I said before, it has nothing to do with who's the most powerful in in which. And my list actually spans across DC and and a cup a DC Marvel and a couple of different other spectrums. But um, it's who I like, right? So uh, I, I have to do a, 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 a honorable mention here for Luke Cage. Luke Cage did not make my top five, but the recent Netflix and what I'm now hearing is that it's now going to go to Disney, Disney Plus. Uh, the recent Netflix series made me fall in love with Luke Cage again. Um, Luke Cage was... Uh, an interesting character when I was growing up, but Luke Cage all also was pretty problematic in the way that they wrote him. Um, so that's another story altogether. Um, Caitlin says that I always think that interesting lawsuits when states do crap like oh, so we're going back to the last segment. Uh, if they aren't allowed to teach stuff that makes students feel uncomfortable, then math makes me feel uncomfortable. Sue for that. Play stupid game, win stupid prizes. Can I tell you, I love that phrase, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, but you're absolutely right. Um, a, a growth happens at the, at, at the outer limits of your comfort level. And if we are only teaching students things that will make them comfortable, then they will never grow. And it, what is the point of teaching them if we are not expecting them to grow? So, Caitlin, you're 100% right. All right, back to my superheroes. So, Luke has got an honorable mention, but my number five... My number five favorite superhero is Cyborg. Cyborg is part of the Teen Titans, and he is half man, half uh, machine, hence the name. Um, they pretty much went with the obvious stuff with a lot of these characters. Uh, so Cyborg is um, uh, on the Teen Titans, probably like one of the more level-headed people. He is what he... He in the original comic books, he's one of the few people that don't have like a serious, long-standing, love-lorn relationship with anybody, right? So, um, you know, uh, Nightwing and you know Robin then becomes Nightwing and is you know love-lorn over uh, Starfire and and you know every everybody it Beast you know it, in the new comic books Beast Boy and Raven are, are love-lorn, um, but Cyborg pretty much is. Uh, straight laced and 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 until uh, what's her name Tara the the rock woman uh, comes along he's he is straight straight up and down um, in the oh man what is it what the uh, this the the um oh what's the name of the the group that he is in now and uh, somebody help me uh, with um. Oh, I am losing it. The the series that's on Disney Plus right now. Um, anyway, in that series, he's also he also plays straight lace. In the movie, in in the actual um, 
what do you call it movie they do him dirty uh so the zach the the zach will the the zach wilson v- why can't I speak? The Zach Wilson version uh, of the movie did him dirty. They cut out all the parts that make him seem really ridiculous. So it, go back and look at the full, um, uh, the full episode of with with that movie. Um, it's six hours long, but it actually works. Not Loki. Um, oh my God! With the with the robot and the woman who is. Who falls apart, and and then the, the the multiple the multiple personalities woman, um, and the guy that has the spirit that lives inside of him. Oh, why can I not remember their name? Anyway, so in that movie, in that series, he's also doing a really bang up job. Anyway, that's my number five. I spend so much time on number five. It's weird. All right, my number four is Spawn. Spawn is a it's actually the 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 series is on hbo max not on disney plus um uh spawn is a badass character uh he is literally a (laughs) child of hell uh and uh, i just love the way that he's written i love the story behind what you know what where he came from and 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 the way that they are that they wrote the comic and how the comic actually uh fought to be um, to be recognized and Spawn um, is a really great storyline and a story arc and so that's uh, my number four um, and the movie really does an injustice to Spawn uh, really does a horrible job of representing how dope he really is but you know it is what it is right so Spawn is my number four my number, f- my number three is a little bit controversial. My number three should be my number two, but I will explain why my number two is my number two. My number three is Storm, Aurora from the X-Men. Listen, listen. Aurora- Storm is one of the dopest characters in all of comic book history. She is... Regal, and she is punked. Um, she is uh, so like she has leadership skills, and and, and like it, it, she's just a great representation of a black woman uh, in the comic books. Uh, <laughs> Michelle says that all movies do injustice to Hayden's favorite camera characters. You will find that that kind of is true, except for Storm and my number one, Storm. Uh, most of the movies kind of like play, try to play her in a particular way so as not to offend people like me. Uh, but Storm is extremely powerful. Uh, she is really a chameleon in terms of like when they need her to lead, she leads. When they need her to be a team member, that's what she does. Uh, one of my favorite arcs for Storm is when she becomes to... And she becomes the leader of the Morlocks, and she has a bunch of. She wears leather, and she has a mohawk, and that's who she is in that in that moment. So I enjoy Storm immensely. Uh, so that's my number three. Um, Michelle says I like how people bring fighting words to your to your list. Yes, they do. Um, so uh, my number two is only my number two because of my last name. My number two is Green Lantern. 
and the Green Lantern, the Black Green Lantern, of course. And I love the Green Lantern Corps altogether because I think that it is, um, it, it, it it's it's a crazy when you start the, when you start thinking about what it is. The Green Lantern Corps are a fighting force across the universe. Their job is to make sure how make sure that everybody. It, that the universe is protected from people who kind of like what's happening in, in in Russia and Ukraine right now. The Green Lantern Corps is like, hey, no, they were a sovereign planet. You can't come over here and just like take them over. That's what the Green Lantern Corps is there for. And John Stewart is, was the first Black Green Lantern, and the and I love the fact that the ring chooses the man because they are of pure heart, um, uh, and then the ring allows them to really channel this force and be all of these different things. And so I really love Jon Stewart's arc. Um, I, I think that it was a great way of being... I, I think that it was a great way of incorporating the culture into that into the Green Lantern Corps, so I never had any issues with it. And like Michelle says, the theme here is that the movie really did a really bad injustice. Now, the the movie was not John Stewart. The movie was um, I forget the name of the the, the Green Lantern before him, um, the first Earthbound Green Lantern, uh, and so it it, it predated uh, it predated John Stewart. So I would love to see Green Lantern recast and they they go to the John Stewart character. There's a whole bunch of other people, but the mo the Green Lantern movie was absolutely laughable. Uh, and that's probably why, because they made it to be too funny. They were trying to be funny with it. Uh, and I think if they went with a serious movie, kind of in the way that uh, Man of Steel was, they would have had more success. So my number two is Green Lantern. And it's only my number two because I have a bunch of Green Lantern stuff. If I, I don't know if you can see, there's a Green Lantern on the wall back here. Uh, my last name is Green. If I have to pick a, a, a comic book character that, that I wear, it's going to be the Green Lantern. So that's why it's my number two. Um, so, th so my list is Cyborg, number five, Spawn, number four, Storm, uh, number three, and number two is the Green Lantern. And my number one black superhero character should surprise absolutely nobody, Black Panther, right? So I don't even have to get into why it's Black Panther. Uh, just the, the mere fact that it is a story arc where there is a whole Wakanda that is far and above anything that, that exists on Earth. Uh, black excellence everywhere. And um, just just a dope straight up and down um uh black superhero i think that that bears no explanation if you have to ask me why black panther is my number one then you need to go watch black panther the the, the film black panther the one movie where i think it outdid all expectations for what the character was going to be it, that movie was ridiculous and it was a seminal moment in black history um, so much so that there is now a huge discussion as to whether or not Chadwick Boseman um, should be the only Black Panther. Like they don't, they don't want to recast anybody but Chad, Chadwick Boseman in that role. And of course, you know, uh, Mr. Boseman has passed on. And so everybody's like, well, we got 15 Batmans and 47 Supermans and, and all of these different people playing Joker. Why can't we recast Black Panther? 
I am of the opinion that we need to recast Black Panther and uh, and give us a new one. Um, but you know, or move the story along. I think where they're trying to go is that they're they're trying to have somebody behind besides Takala be the Black Panther. But I really do think that they should just recast Takala, and because he's the most famous Black Panther that there is. Anyway, so that's my five. Uh, Cyborg, Spawn, Storm, Green Lantern, and of course, Black Panther. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, and This has been the Greenhouse Effect. I always thank you so much for participating in my madness. Uh, I am your favorite friendly f- neighbor, your, your favorite friendly neighborhood, Polymath, and your host, Hayden Green. And uh, I thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. In the meantime, go out and be warm to another human. See y'all later.